Welcome to Smartest Energy Talks, the power market podcast from the next generation energy company. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Smartest Energy Talks podcast. My name is Rob Pringle and I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Smartest Energy. Uh, I've been in energy and IT uh, since leaving university. Uh, I've lived through the liberalization of the power and the gas markets in the UK uh, and been involved in delivering customer service and trading platforms for uh, for several u- utility companies uh, in that space. I've been with Smartest Energy uh, for just over a year now and I have to say I'm really enjoying it. So joining me today is our Head of Renewable Origination, uh, Rob Luke. So hi Rob. Thanks Rob. Hi everyone. It's great to be on this edition of of the pod. So just like Rob, I'd just like to give you a little bit of background about myself. I joined Smartest Energy in 2017 and now presently responsible for the development and delivery of bespoke, mostly long-term power purchase agreements. Like Rob, I've been in the energy industry for two decades since, since university and holding a number of senior positions in both INC retail and gas and power procurement. I also, in my previous role, spearheaded the building of its UK-based renewable energy portfolio. The marketplaces I specialise in here on IT, but are mostly traditional renewables marketplaces. Um, a lot of focus I, I have on new build onshore and offshore wind. Uh, I look at tidal and ground-mounted solar PV but also larger scale energy from waste facilities and flexible assets such as gas peakers and hopefully moving into battery storage and dynamic optimization over the next 12 to 18 months. Also with my background, I work closely with our INC business teams where we're helping UK consumers achieve their decarbonisation and net zero ambitions for a number of initiatives, including our corporate PPA solution. Okay, Rob, thank you, that's, uh, that's great. So uh, okay. let's uh, get into the podcast and give you a bit of an overview as to what we're going to be discussing today. Over the past few months, many of you have signed up for our virtual events across our Energy Entrepreneur Series, focusing on the state of the current market for independent generators. Leading from that, the aim of this podcast is to offer you a bite-sized insight into the key factors that we see affecting the marketplace at the moment, as to as well as to show how generators are dealing with those challenges. So, uh, Rob, uh, to set the scene first, could you just outline a bit around the key drivers behind what we're seeing in the independent generation space at the moment? I can indeed, Rob. Yeah, thank thank you. So. Just to sort of start answer the question, I suppose underpinning everything, of course, is the drive for the UK to reach net zero by 2050, which uh, will most certainly require the continued and wide scale deployment of renewable generation in the UK. Um, For our listeners who may be unaware, uh, net zero legislation was introduced last year and is now widely regarded as a more realistic target, really, uh, than a previous sort of strict reduction on 1990 greenhouse gas levels. So what does net zero sort of seek to achieve? Really, it's an overall balance between emissions produced 
and emissions taken out of the atmosphere. So a slightly different approach, really. Listeners might be aware that the National Grid published their future energy scenarios report back in July this year, where they actually believe that net zero is achievable by 2050. So as you say, Rob, yeah, the, the key drivers, uh, probably both consumer and system transformation, innovations, and you're seeing the increasing sort of adoption of green hydrogen and the improvement in carbon capture. But it's probably, I think what we found out from the report is that it's really widely agreed that the scenario that we're in at present of sort of steady progression won't really enable the UK to hit net zero. So in the report, there were some significant renewable capacity numbers, Rob, uh, published. Um, what we're going to do is need a further 40 gigawatts of new renewables deployed by 2030 alone. So it's 40 gigawatts by 2030 alone. And drilling it down, report also estimated that about three gigawatts of wind capacity will need to be deployed each year by 2050. So when we talk about um, independent generation space, what are the, what are the key drivers? We're, we're often asked the big question, Rob, is you know, sort of how we're going to get there, really. Um, looking back historically, the rock and fit schemes really help significant levels of low carbon generation come online, but that's all, that's all finished now. So we've seen recently uh, definitely been a sort of slowdown in deployment, maybe sort of 100, 100 plus megawatts of independent renewable generation have come to the grid this year. Um, it's primarily due to the lack of subsidy support, um, but obviously as uh, the effects of a pandemic. So all seems a little bit gloomy, Rob, but it's uh, been widely reported, as you've probably seen in the industry press, that uh, global investment in renewables was up 5% in the first half of 2020. Pretty remarkable, really. Um, and what we're probably seeing in the UK is that COVID has been used as a uh, catalyst for a green recovery, really, essentially a pathways towards what I call a sort of carbon nirvana. Um, from our perspective, Rob, um, smartest energy, our customers uh, on the consumption side really remain ambitious to to reach sort of or achieve ethical sourcing of power. Um, on the generation side, developers and investors we're actually bringing new build wind and solar projects to the market. We've got a couple coming on, hopefully, this this year. Um, our developers and investors have substantial pipelines, renewable pipelines, both wind and solar. Project fundamentals have also benefited from the lockdown period, ironically, uh, by reduction in infrastructure costs. A bit more widely, really, you've seen our, our PM, uh, Boris, uh, describe the UK as a Saudi Arabia of, of wind. But um, some really bold plans or national infrastructure plans, you know, get get cards off the road, EV, you know, um, the decarbonisation of transport he mentioned. And homes is obviously really significant. You know, it's going to be a, a UK job. Um, hydrogen, we've mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, hydrogen in transport, we've seen some hydrogen chains running we've seen some in italy recently and i suppose on a more global scale we've got china you know one of the biggest emitters um, of carbon into the earth atmosphere really a really bold following the uk real bold statement about reaching net zero by 2060 going to peak at 2030 get to it by 2060 and that's going to require a massive change in their energy production like like the uk 
and real sort of heavy carbon sinks. So you've seen the sort of Chinese um, planting a massive load of trees, and you can see that happening in the UK as well. Yeah, I mean that's certainly, uh, I guess, uh, positive to talk about sort of the the green future and the green investment. You know, particularly when we look against the current sort of like macroeconomic uh, backdrop yeah. at the moment. And I think that national grid future energy scenarios. Uh, you know, really, you know, I think spelt out some of the the transformational change that's got to happen to get us to to get get us to net zero. Quite an exciting journey, I think. Absolutely. But one of the, one one of the challenges here, though, the the removal of subsidy support is 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 a tough situation for the market to adjust to, um, considering everything else that's like happened this year. So, how do you think project developers are adapting to? The, the, the new normal of the investment environment uh, uh, you know in their sector yeah thanks well really really interesting question yeah well, what's the new norm who who knows really now but um, I suppose yeah at smartest um, we work with a whole host of investors and developers uh, partners here uh, we've got just under 3,000 megawatts of generation under contract, including sort of long-term CFDs, um, the new norm, yeah. Um, really seeing the beginning of co-location taking off. Um, really interesting with, you, with your sort of tech background, Rob. Um, Ground-mounted solar, certainly getting closer to grid parity, if not there. And we really have an increasing number of customers, you know, generally looking at pairing solar with storage, which really sort of helps spread you know, grid connection costs, et cetera. Um, what does that really mean to them? More opportunities. These are sort of new new marketplaces for them. Um, new new opportunities coming available to both the generator and the project owner. What can they do? Maybe shift output to higher peak demands, you know, get a better commodity price, or maybe just operate the storage as a standalone entity. So you've seen, you know, just sort of coming coming out over uh, the lockdown period some some great new services introduced by the grid we've got dynamic containment which has been really profitable for those sort of batteries in there uh, we've seen batteries in really successful in the bm so uh, the national grids run a few trials um and found that obviously batteries can uh, move up and down produce power up and down and really respond quickly and also we've seen some park and ride schemes you now the ev parks getting getting uh, carbon cars off off the road um, encouraging EV cars onto the road and having service stations for them so these generally have sorts of solar and battery uh, um, included and we're seeing these being widely adopted by by our, our council customers as well so yeah what's the new norm I suppose developers investors certainly adapting most certainly Rob really reassessing both their appetite towards risk regards renewables but also really how they contract and develop, I suppose, the right PPA structures, which is where I come in. Um, so they can deploy, you know, real significant pipelines at scale, you know. So and I suppose the main one of the main problems, Rob, really, you know, we're often asked, you know, how, to, how best do they achieve it? How best do developers and investors achieve getting um, renewables onto the grid and making it work? So I suppose. First of all, um, I suppose we've seen a real greater acceptance of, sort of or I suppose it's inevitable really, with the lack of subsidies, you know, greater acceptance of merchant revenue models where project owners look to, I suppose, maximize revenues across multiple markets. It's wholesale pricing, the balancing mechanism, uh, new you know, grid services like the summer's ODFM. 
um you know five-year fixing fixing price fixing is available as i sort of say bm services we've got a few t connected assets that are transmission connected uh mandatory in the in the balancing mechanism so when curtailment has been really really crucial over the sort of lockdown period providing further revenue opportunities uh, for for generators and especially uh, subsidy free assets um we've supported uh generators so our existing generators with entry into the odfn this summer so i mentioned this sort of bm light service of grids um recently brought in what is it this has given the grid access to probably about 200 megawatts of our existing operational wind and solar and it allows them to basically effectively uh, turn down and pay our customers to to reduce generation when the system is under stress and we really possibly think this will be extended um few future lockdowns and then and there's demand fluctuation fluctuates so wholesale pricing uh, new revenues first of all also ppa structures what are going to be what's going to be you know the ppa in the future really rob um you know the, these are inevitable a credible alternative uh, to revenues you know previously secured by subsidies you mentioned they finished yeah they sure have and how, how do we get best value for our customers so increasingly sophisticated structures being considered and agreed i suppose firstly we've got a base load ppa that's available for both wind and solar really quite uncommon really so this allows our, our customers to sell power as based on so renewable power as based on to the marketplace mostly at different times which is really interesting instead of one go try and exploit commodity uh, fluctuations got what i call i suppose performance ppas really like a sort of more active trader-led approach ppa it's not, not everyone's cup of tea often you see these offerings include mm, like a, a minimum price mechanism which basically effectively guarantees a certain uh, price security for the developer and lender um coupled with possibly a sort of a value share in any sort of wholesale trading that is above this minimum price so that's really interesting development you know really really massive move away from sort of fixed pricing traditional fixed pricing we had under the subsidy schemes and also we got customers rob uh, looking at sort of long-term utility hedges so five years can we go to seven so it's really something for us to consider here at smartest so wholesale markets we've got really sort of, sort of dynamic ppa structures i think possibly the thirdly you know what's what's going to be a new norm maybe not such a norm but uh, another avenue is corporate ppa we often hear um, you know us talking about it internally as a company um and externally so this is where a consumer contracts to buy power and regos over a sort of long term from a specific generator it really enables this to get the project off the ground um i've got to say rob it's not, it's not an easy approach for a number of reasons as you probably know um but we've we've developed a sort of simple sort of transactional solution which uses our baso ppa uh where smartest we act as a middleman rob and we convert intermittent renewable power to sort of sleeve across to the consumer as a sort of base load clip so all in all sort of new 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 markets uh, more sophisticated ppas maybe a corporate approach corporates really looking to do their bit i suppose really to sort of summarize the new norm um definitely working closely with with a supplier looking at the above sort of structures i've mentioned um it's going to be fundamental to 
to our customers, the developers and investors, really to structure the right PPA that really can help them deliver renewable power at scale to the grid. Thanks for that, Rob. Uh, it sounds, uh, you know, from from this that, you know, my take is that the the commercial architecture of PPAs, uh, you know, is going to be critical, critically important, you know, to mm -hmm. to, to meet to meet to meet the customer needs uh, going forwards. Um, and you know, it's an essential part of making sure that you know we can provide uh, access to all of the uh, the available revenue pools to the uh, to the project, you know, the project developers. Absolutely, that's so yeah. true without doubt without doubt so yeah uh, i suppose um um i suppose taking a more active role really i think you hit the nail on the head taking a more active role uh rather than just a sort of like a fixed price or ppa a fixed price um agreement for three or four years you could just put that in the drawer and just move on but really taking a more active role in managing projects and ppa i think may be really important um or i suppose that at, at, at least it would have been if it not i suppose for the rise of technology making ppas easier to manage uh, especially from a uh, project owner uh point of view so we've, we've got some great advancements in it help manage ppas yeah i mean i think certainly that's uh i think what we're trying to do here is to deploy technology to um to support those type of objectives um the uh you know one of the real challenges about uh, uh, power is, um, you know, both the the real time nature of it, uh, the fact it's a real time traded product, because um, uh, as a commodity, although storage is becoming more economic, I mean, it, it, you know, the challenge of storing, uh, you know, at scale like you do in natural gas, it, it just doesn't happen with power. So it's got a real real time element to it and volatility. But also yeah. the fact that it's uh, you know, uh, you know, a forward traded commodity like uh, like like many of the others. So uh, power trading is a real uh, complex business to support, and it's also you know the the volumes of data, the fact that we you know say in the UK that we're uh, you know we're 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 trading it in thirty minute blocks. You know if you look at you know that that's not as bad as it gets. You go to Australia, they're moving to five minute blocks for trading. Really, for, really is, wow. Yeah, so it's uh, you know the complexity. It, it's you can't really manage this with pen and paper. It requires automation, and it requires uh, you know using technology to simplify it to give that sort of like a high level view that allows you to 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 actually manage the situation. So yeah. you know if you look at you know PPA's example, I mean from from a commercial perspective, what what what, what is trying to be achieved through that is level of revenue certainty uh, out of that. So, I mean, you were talking about like firming services, for example, uh, being being offered here. Yeah. So, you know, uh, but is is that uh, um, there's also you know the ability to use PPAs to access some of that flexibility, uh, you know, in the marketplace as well, and take part of those market opportunities. So. You know, one of the ways in which we're trying to address that is to actually bring the wholesale market much closer to um, you know the customers. So we, we've done that with the uh, the Smart Flex platform, which enables uh, basically a, a click and trade process for for, for generators, um, or allows basically some predefined triggers to to uh, to to set up hedging uh, volumes in response to market movements. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so in, in terms of doing that, it's starting to allow uh, basically generators to, uh, to to actually look at open, open and closed positions, and see the latest prices coming straight from our straight from our trade floor. Uh, you know, we run 
20, a 24 by 7 trade floor here uh like never ne never stops the power markets never close um but you know what we you know we've got the ability to do is to, to relay out those like those those transactable prices based on the view of our the view of our trading teams um and you know we support again through that the you know like the the confirm process about you know uh, about the email confirmations of those trades and uh you know the ability to set price alerts what's going in that market mm -hmm. and access to a 24 by 7 portal that, that, that we run to access those markets you know that, that literally you know never stop so yeah, uh you know that's certainly where we're you know we're with the direction that we're going uh with about how do we how do we support access to those flexibility in the market opportunities yes uh that's really interesting rob yeah Re revenue certainty you've hit the nail on the head there massive massive importance to uh investors and developers still now um but i think it's quite right as you say yeah just sort of capturing that that price movement or being in a position to capture that price movement as you say uh, just the market's going up and down becoming more volatile um all the time so it's great to see some of this tech really sort of being directly available to our generators at, at smartest so for me as a sort of, a sort of tech novice it's, it's all too sort of common really in sort of energy cir circles for terms to get thrown around you know i mean i don't really know what half this means uh, ai uh, machine learning blockchain uh, it's all sort of, sort of rel relatively new to me as well so you know, these, these are all talked about a lot uh, at smartest and and elsewhere and of course uh are very useful when applied correctly but it's not always i suppose that the customer or our or our developers and investors really have, have a tangible way of interacting with that tech, really? Have they got the time? Well, I think, uh, I mean, the points you raise are quite interesting. I mean, definitely there's there's huge amount of buzzwords out there. I mean, the number of, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, spam emails, I think we all get, like talking about AI or blockchain or, yeah. you know, like the, those cold sales calls trying to basically push a, push a solution and, you know, my take, and I think the, the the approach that we you know we look at this is is about um, it can't be technology searching for a problem. It's got to be in service of the customer. And you know, certainly, if if we look at the generation space, about how do how do we maximise revenue? So, to me, the yeah. the way I look at it in terms of how certainly we deploy it, it it's got to be with commercial purpose rather than just setting up a a, a lab environment. Certainly, I think you know what we've done with the SmartFlex platform. The you know the ability that we've got to actually put you know customers more in control, uh, I think is is a move forward. Um, but I think that the other side of things that I would sort of like pick up here is that you know going back to that theme about power markets being real time, large amounts of data. I'd say is that you know one aspect i'd look at the power markets it's very easy to be data rich but information poor so you yeah. can get loads of data streams about what's going on but actually trying to understand what really is yeah. moving in the market particularly with the real-time nature and the fact there's maybe more than one revenue pool open at any point in time you know you've got to do the value yes. stacking of the assets um is that it's it's really difficult to see what's uh uh you know what's going on so i mean i think the the area that we're sort of focusing on here is uh, basically real-time trading optimization so how do we how do we spot those opportunities from a um uh uh support you know with in, improved trader decision support spot those arbitrage opportunities for customers and to actually physically uh, get there um how do we use um uh basically artificial intelligence or machine learning as sometimes it's called mm -hmm. uh to 
to to actually you know build better predictive models um, about where we can find the uh, the value for the the assets that that, the, that we manage. So you know, today we're managing about 300 megawatts of assets, and um, you know we're we're using uh, basically access to the balancing mechanism there uh, you know, okay. to actually achieve value. I think I think the, the value was 66 pounds roughly per megawatt hour between um, uh, October last year and and this summer. So you know the you know, yeah. the, you know, we're actually, you know, when we're looking at the tech here, is that we're we're looking at this not just like from a theoretical, um, academic point of view. Uh, you know, this is uh, you know what we're uh, you know deploying. You know, actually in real life with real assets. Going back to the big picture and what you you know, picked up on earlier about that that journey to net zero the need to go to uh, uh, for for sustainability. I mean, fundamentally. To enable larger penetration of renewable energy into our grid uh, is going to require us to deploy, um, you know, tech, real-time tech, um, to to actually enable things such as the firming services, enable things to access optimization, to enable those revenue streams for our customers to actually to to, to actually make those you know those investment cases real, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and you know you know. Because delivery of delivery of revenues and existing projects is what's going to generate, um, you know, the business cases for for the next round of investments, particularly in a subsidy-free environment. And I see tech is going to be quite key in terms of actually getting those revenues realised for our customers. That's, that's that's great. I mean, the, the value stacking, it's, uh, the arbitrage, you know, getting getting sort of better predictive models. It's it's great to have. To have you on board, really, and as smartest, you know, with with your your IT with your IT background, this is this is what our customers are looking for, as you quite rightly say. How how can we help them achieve really best value? How can we find best value, and how can we help them? Or how does that really really sort of stream into their investment models? Which is really 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 interesting. Um, as we talked about, yeah, really relationship working closely with us. Uh, Rob, I think you know our, our customers really, really keen to do that. Uh, work closer with smarter, smartest energy, and really sort of share our knowledge and your knowledge really about how we can may, maybe get sort of co-location uh, sites off off the ground and balancing mechanism. Yeah, sort of thirty, forty percent better, better pricing over over wholesale. So really, really, really interesting. So great, thanks, thanks for that. That's brilliant. Thanks for your insights, Rob. It's uh, really, really useful. I think. Probably that's all, all the time we have for today's broadcast. And so we'll have to leave things there. I think probably just for me to do, yeah, to everyone listening, hope you've enjoyed this session, learned a bit more about the context around how new electricity generation is being deployed at the moment, as well as what services are available from Smartest to help subsidy-free projects really become a reality. If you haven't already, uh, please head over to our website and check out our blogs. We've got a lot, a lot on there. Maybe possibly sign up for our upcoming webinars. We've got one tomorrow uh, run by uh, Mr. Mr. Pringle. Or subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Informer, uh, to get all the latest information and more insights that we have today. So all that remains to be said is to thank you very much, Rob. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you very much from me. So from me, the two Robbies, the smartest two Robbies. Uh, it's goodbye That's from me. Right. Goodbye from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, goodbye.
but, but make sure you look out for our next podcast too and you can subscribe on spotify apple podcast google podcasts and tune in too uh, so make sure you don't miss out see you next time goodbye for now <laughs>